This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. Used only once in history, Joshua's altar offers a unique opportunity to verify the stories in the Bible, but nothing has ever been found there until now. Keith Johnson shares the exciting story of how an archaeologist dump provided one of the most significant archaeological finds ever. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Shabbat Shalom, Torah fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. Hey, we have special treats for you tonight. Three of them, three treats, actually. Uh, we're just a few weeks up from Yom Teruah, according to the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. There you see it there. It's the third Shabbat of the sixth month, and we've got to get to these treats here. So let's get right to my co-host, Tiffany Panaccio. Welcome, Shabbat Tiffany. Shabbat Shalom, Scott. Shabbat Shalom. Now, we only have a couple of minutes tonight yes. because of the first treat. Would you mind explaining what we've got going on? Sure. So we have a special presentation about how the Torah explains Yeshua's first coming with Michael Rood coming up in just a few minutes. Yes, and that was done as part of our Temple Treasures exhibit. These are things that no one has ever seen outside of the ministry, so that is really cool. Awesome. The second treat is the Bible Beyond Borders. This is a new series with Keith Johnson, and uh, it starts tonight, a view into Israel, even if you never get to go there. That was the whole point of this. Now, speaking of Keith, uh, that brings us to the love gift, what have we got here? Yes, for the month of September, we have a special love gift teaching from Keith and Nehemiah in the land of Israel talking about uh, basically the Creator's calendar and yep. they do some behind the scenes stuff there. So it's pretty awesome. It's super fun to watch because it's mm -hmm. like a documentary. There's That's music awesome. behind the yeah. background. It's really action packed. Like you blink, you're going to miss something. Oh, they're One fun. Yeah, it's, it's a great <laughs> thing to have. So anyway, so that is for a love gift donation of $50 or more. For $100 or more, you get this beautiful piece of art. This, uh, I guess it's laser cut or something like yes, that. Yes, laser Yep. cut wood image and it's the second temple. Yeah, <laughs> and for the love gift of $300 or more, you will get a shofar, a natural curve shofar with a stand. And that is for a, uh, like I said, a gift of $300 or more, perfect for the fall feast. Yes. And yeah, the, the stands never match the, <laughs> the shofars exactly because every shofar is different. So just, yes. just bear in mind with that, okay. You can work it out. You can work it out, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for joining us, Tiffany, and let's get right to what Michael is doing here. We have a special five-minute presentation coming up to you from Michael Rood about how the Torah explains Yeshua's first coming. Then it's episode one of our new series from Keith Johnson, Bible Beyond Borders. Now, here's Michael. This is where our story and his story begins. The scroll of the five books of Moses, the Torah, these are the instructions the Almighty gave to Israel before we inherited the land promised to our father Abraham. When Moses completed writing the scroll, he commanded the Levites to keep the Torah beside the Ark of the Covenant as a continual reminder. This is the constitution of the nation of Israel, to be read publicly in the ears of every citizen every seven years. This is a story of how we came out of Egypt as a nation of slaves and set free to worship Yehovah, the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth. In the first book, Bereshit, Genesis, God promised to drive out the accursed sons of Canaan from the land because of the gross sexual perversions and the heartless sacrifice of their infant children to Molech, the pagan god of prosperity. In the second book, Shemot, Exodus, Moses warned that we would remain in the land only as long as we did not adopt the practices and lifestyle of the pagans. As he specifically commanded us, do not learn the ways of the heathen and how they worship their gods. Do not do the same and say you're doing it for me. It is an abomination. But 
three times a year you shall keep a feast to honor me, in the place and at the time that I shall choose. The third book, Vayikra, Leviticus, details those three feasts. Hagamotzot, Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Shavuot, Pentecost, and Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. We were commanded to keep these feasts as Kadosh Mikra, holy rehearsals forever. The Feast of the Lord are holy rehearsals of good things to come in the future, literally prophetic shadow pictures. They are the mechanism whereby the Almighty tells the end of time from the very beginning. The fourth book, Bibidbar, literally in the desert, numbers the offspring of Israel that came out of Egypt, accompanied by a mixed multitude of Gentiles seeking freedom from bondage. The fifth book, Devarim, Deuteronomy, rehearsed the commandments Moses gave to Israel and the mixed multitude in the land of Moab. Just before we crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land, God commanded us to allow the land to rest one year in seven, a Sabbath year's land rest in which we would not plant nor harvest the produce of the land, but let the land lie fallow. Moses strongly cautioned, if we do not let the land have its Sabbath rest, we will be conquered by a foreign nation, carried away captive, and the land will have its rest during our exile. Moses recorded our miraculous exodus from Egypt and harrowing seven-week journey to Mount Sinai in the land of Midian for our first and most memorable appointment with Yehovah. It was at that mountain the Almighty offered the congregation of Israel to serve him as a nation of priests and kings, with all the rights, protections, and privileges of royalty, if we would obey all that he commanded. Three days later, on the day that would later become celebrated as Shavuot, Pentecost, God shouted down 10 commandments from the top of a thundering, flaming mountain the traumatized assembly could not bear the drama and begged Moses to go up to meet with God privately to receive the rest of the instructions. They promised to obey everything that Moses commanded them. Yehovah honored their request and communicated the remainder of the commandments directly to Moses. But he told Moses that he would be sending another prophet in the future that prophet would be like Moses, in that he would speak with the Almighty face to face. He would never speak a word that was not directly from the Almighty himself, and the people would be required to Shema. They must hear and obey that prophet or face eternal judgment. That prophet would later be identified as the Anointed One, the Messiah. That prophecy, recorded by Moses in the 18th chapter of Exodus, would become the most repeated prophecy in the Gospels and the entirety of Scripture. What if we had an opportunity to open the most important book that was ever printed, the Bible, at the very place that it took place. This is what we're doing on the Bible Beyond Borders tour. Opening the Bible at the place where it happened, it just so happens that the place I'm sitting right now is ancient Jericho. No one seems to know how Yehovah's time clock works, even in the Promised Land. While the Gentile world remains oblivious, and rabbinical Judaism insists on doing things their own way. One daring duo decided to do it right. I'm here because in just a little while, we're gonna to attempt to do something that the world is waiting to find out, and that is to actually cite the beginning of the seventh month, one of the most important periods of time in biblical understanding. Keith Johnson and Dr. Nehemia Gordon crisscross the Holy Land to bring you Right on Time from Israel. 
an adventure that will inspire you to treasure the fall feasts of the Lord like never before. You won't find this exciting teaching anywhere online, but we'll give it to you as our thanks for supporting A Rude Awakening International. When you donate $50 to this ministry in September, we'll send you Right on Time from Israel with Keith Johnson and Dr. Nehemia Gordon on DVD or Blu-ray. Donate $100 and we'll send you Right on Time from Israel, plus a beautiful laser-cut wooden art piece featuring the Second Temple. Donate $300 and we'll send you Right on Time from Israel, the laser-cut wooden art piece, and an authentic natural curve ram's horn shofar plus a matching display stand. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Thank you. Your donations ensure that important teachings like Right on Time from Israel keep coming from a Rood Awakening International. Use your cell phone to scan the QR code on your screen to donate now and receive these limited time gifts. Or call 888-766-3610 or get your gifts online with a donation at monthlylovegift.com. Some of the traditions in modern-day Judaism are what Yeshua said are takanot, laws which change biblical law, which are forbidden, and Yeshua said don't do them. But other traditions are remembrances of good things in the past, and they are a shadow picture of good things to happen in the future. On the Sabbath, we take two hollow loaves, two loaves of bread. This represents the manna, the double portion that we received on the sixth day. This was God's provision for us. And this is what it continues to mean to us today. When Yeshua, just before his crucifixion, the night before his crucifixion, at the last supper that he had with his disciples, he took bread and he blessed, not the bread, he blessed the Most High. And he said, Baruch atah Yehovah Elohim melech ha'olam hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz. And he broke the bread and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, remember this, by his stripes, we were healed. And then he took the cup and he said, in the prayer of Melchizedek to Abraham, Baruch atah Yahweh, Elohim melech ha'olam, Borei hagafen. Blessed are you, Yahweh, our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said this, what you have been doing for a thousand years from the time of Abraham, this represents the renewed covenant in my blood. This is how I will pay for the broken covenant. I will pay the death penalty and do this until I come. If you've ever watched any of Michael Rood's original shows that he did from Israel, in those shows, he always made sure that we knew that the borders of Israel were from the Euphrates to the Nile. Well, that's not what we see today. So is that God's original intention? I mean, is that what Israel is supposed to look like today? What if we could go to Israel and just never mind the borders? What if we could just go there and see Israel as it is in the Bible without worrying about these artificial lines between political parties? Well, we're gonna explore that today with our friend Keith Johnson. Keith, welcome to Shabbat. Live. Scott, you're so good at this, man. I'm telling you, you you captured it. You captured it in the opening. It's so interesting. I was uh, I was uh, watching an SNL. This action, this whole SNL series is inspired by SNL. Ah, and okay. we had a dear friend here, Aaron Lipkin, who did a series called The Exodus You Never Knew. Mm. And episode one was on Joshua's altar, and you invited me to be here for the open. We were introducing Jonah, mm -hmm. and I was all excited, and I didn't know what the series was going to be about. And, uh, and also I'm hearing about Joshua's altar and, and, and I'm watching it and I got excited. I actually went and got the love gift. I bought it huh? <laughs> because the love gift was Understanding Israel with Aaron Lipkin and Scott Laird. Very, very informative. So when you invited me to do the opens uh, for that series, I watched the episode and I, it was right before we were doing our fall prayer pilgrimage to Israel. We do two tours. 
fall prayer pilgrimage to Israel. And then the other one is the one that was an inaugural tour called the Bible Beyond Borders. And so um, as we were doing that, I mean, and on that tour, we pray. We go north, south, east, and west. We pray as at the top of Mount Hermon, called the Eyes of Israel. We go all the way down to the lowest point in earth, mm. which is the Dead it's Sea. sea. Mm-hmm. We go to the Mediterranean Sea. We come in at the time of, uh, in, uh, in uh, Tel Aviv, and we're at ancient Joppa, and we go as far west as the Jordan River. But some things happened there that were absolutely amazing. Uh, and then I was invited to Sinai, talked about it a hundred times. But one of the things that happened there that was so amazing is that as I went up to the top of the mountain, I remember sharing this at Passover. Passover of 2023 was an epic event because my friend Michael was here for the entire thing. It was, it was absolutely amazing. But I was sharing that as I went up the mountain, I had an internal, you know, external challenges, the physical issues. As I told you, mm. you helped my life be changed. I was able to make it to the top. But on the way down, something happened that was so significant. I just have to share this again. As I'm way, going down uh, Mount Sinai, I first run into my friend, uh, Dr. Gary, who happens to be a Jewish man whose father uh, was actually a survivor of the Holocaust. And as he was uh, in Germany during that time, his father was a young man who was serving uh, the Germans in really difficult situations. Anyway, uh, Dr. Gary happened to bring his father's prayer shawl to Sinai. Mm. <laughs> and as I'm on my way down the mountain, uh, he's there with his prayer shawl. And so we stopped and we took a picture. And I later told me this story. It was a phenomenal story. If you haven't seen Passover 2023, get the DVD. <laughs> the whole story is there. But then as I got to the bottom, something happened. Um, I saw two rangers in Saudi Arabia. They're carrying their guns. And as they're walking, I see my two friends um, that are at the bottom of the mountain. And uh, as, I'm, as I'm seeing them, I want the rangers to know that I see them. So you've got two guys carrying guns and two people that are on our tour. And I just came from you know, taking a picture with a guy who's got a prayer shawl in Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia. It's a little tense. Yeah. <laughs> so I yell out to my two friends, and I happen to yell out to... to my, my one friend who actually speaks Arabic and Hebrew. I spoke to her in Hebrew, knowing that maybe they wouldn't know what I'm saying. I'm like, hey, tell them to stop. So, so the two rangers are coming to see the two people, and they're there, and she tells them in Arabic to stop. They stop. I get to the bottom of the mountain, and I say, hey, uh, would you do me a favor? Her name was Rebecca. Would you tell uh, them that I want to take a picture with them? And she says, no, you don't. I said, yes, I do. She said, no, you don't. I said, no, I really want to take it. In fact, here's a picture of them. I got a picture that I want to show you, uh, Scott. This is the two guys that, um, that I saw at the bottom. Now, this is an interesting picture because they were first walking with rifles and walkie-talkies. And what this picture represents for me was something that happened on the way down Mount Sinai. It was as if, Scott, fear wasn't an issue for me. It, it's mm. like I had a moment with reverential fear with the God of creation. By the time I get to the bottom with these two guys, I'm not afraid of the fact that they got guns. In fact, I said to them, told, tell, tell them to put their guns down. She said, no, you don't want to say that. Yeah, tell them to put their guns down. She tells them in Arabic to put their guns down. They say it's forbidden. We can't do it. I said, why can't you do it? We can't have guns in pictures. Well, then take the guns off so that I can take the picture. And they fight back and forth and eventually they agree. <laughs> so it's, it's so interesting. So for me, Scott, when I... Um, was in Saudi Arabia and had that moment, it inspired me to do something. And, and it really had to do with Israel. Mm. When I landed in the United States, I made two phone calls. I called the uh, CEO of our tour company, Noam, and then I called Aaron Lipkin. And the reason that I called Aaron Lipkin is because of Shabbat Night Live. Mm. I called Aaron and I said, Aaron, I'm on my way. I just got back from Israel. I want to talk about doing something that Michael has inspired me to do for years. Michael. Michael would always talk about when he'd do a tour, he'd say, you know, sometimes we had to have an armored bus. And why would he say that? Because there's places that you go that are really, really important that are also really, really, I'm not going to use the word dangerous. I'm going to say uh, tense. So I called Aaron and I said, Aaron, I want to do a tour this spring. In just a few months, it's called the Bible Beyond Borders. And I need you to help us. And so Aaron said, 
uh, okay, and by the way, this isn't normal. And two tour companies don't work together. Mm. Aaron has his own tour company. He worked with um, he worked with them. So we began to prepare this inaugural tour. And the reason that I did it, Scott, was because I was inspired about so many different people uh, that have never gotten a chance to go to Israel. In fact, it was Passover at the Seder on this stage that as I was sitting behind Michael, I looked at him and it was as if it was like a light came on and said, you know, this man has inspired so many people through his experience in Israel. He brought us to Israel. He brought good footage from Israel. He lived in Israel. That's where I first met Michael was in Israel. My life was changed in Israel with Michael. And I just felt like, you know what? We're gonna unload everything we can to bring some really good quality footage to a Root Awakening, the BFA, and to everywhere that we can of Israel. And so we did something that, um, <laughs> Some people would say, ah, you know, Keith, you went a little bit radical, but we actually have shared some of it. And in the month of June, folks can actually look on the uh, SNL a series in June where the kids were being taught. What was that series called? Oh, yes, uh, the How to Teach the Torah. Yeah, so uh, we did opens, and in the opens, we introduced the fact that we did some socials that Jacob took care of, and Stephanie did some, some, some uh, teachings that are on the free app all through June. And so it was really amazing. Well, that, we got such good response. Like we decided, you know what? Let's move beyond the appetizers. I'll give you an example. Uh, what we did was like social platform, Masada, mm -hmm. Sea of Galilee, the Helena Stones in the Old City, the City of David, the Temple Mount. For the teachings, Qumran, Bethlehem, the Garden Tomb, and Jacob's Well. So we did, it was so much fun. And, and, and we got such good response, we decided to go a little bit further. So we're calling this series Bringing the Bible beyond the borders. There is nothing, Scott, like using all five senses to hear, to see, to smell, to touch, and sometimes even to taste at the very spot where the Bible actually took place. I mean, what do you think mm. of that? I mean, is that, is that not pretty uh, inspiring? I mean, isn't that cool? That, that is cool, yeah, because, especially since, you know, a lot of folks just, they, whether the financial situation or whatever, or they can't travel. Mm -hmm. Some people are just not going to be able to go. Like I know that you went around the office here. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned this back in June, I think, that you had asked Michael to go, but he yeah. said, well, now that he's in a situation where he needs a walker right yeah. now, yeah. he'd love to, but he, but he can't. And, and other people can't go because of you know, financial yeah. things. Or Physical, whatever. family, mm -hmm. finances. And to be honest, I mean, I wanna, I'm going to be sensitive. I mean, there's, there's a lot of fear. Uh, the media does a really, really, really powerful job of making sure every time you see Israel, they're fighting with the Palestinians. Every time you look at, hear about Israel, you talk about, so I mean, there's, there's that that goes on, but um, there's a lot of reasons that people are not able to go. So what we're gonna try to do in the spirit of my dear friend from Passover at the Seder is to bring Israel here. Love it. There's people that support this ministry that would love to go to Israel. They'd absolutely love it, but they just can't. And mm -hmm. so we're gonna bring the ministry uh, to them. So we have the Bible Beyond Borders tour, which we, which we do in 2024, we're gonna do it again. We can talk about that later, but that's not the purpose of this. This is like the Bible, bringing the Bible Beyond Borders series. Mm. We're gonna do five episodes. Now, Scott, I gotta tell you something. In, in the second half, I, I just got this in my hands and just shared it with you guys. I just got in my hands, I'm gonna call it a, an epic piece on what we did uh, in the spirit of Michael. We literally, like I said, we called uh, Aaron, but, but before I get that, before I get to that, <laughs> there, there's some basic things that you do in Israel, right? We land in uh, uh, Tel Aviv. We get to see the beautiful sunsets in the Mediterranean. But then when we start our tour, there's always a couple places that I always make sure that I go when we go to the north to the Galilee. One of them, is Mount Carmel, one of my favorite stories. Can, I, I'm gonna read just a little bit if I can. Yeah, please this do. Is, this is in 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, verse, uh, 20, verse 20. It says that, so Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And I love that when we're there, I get to stop with this group of people, open my Bible and start reading this story at the very spot that it took place. It is so inspiring to me. Like, I'm everyone else like, why is he so excited? It's the first day. How's he ever gonna get through the tour? <laughs> because I'm at the place where Elijah battled the prophets of Baal. I mean, think about that. I mean, this is where, it there's no, this is not on the archeological debate. Mount Carmel is talked about beyond this story. Solomon mm. talks about Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel is all through scripture and it's, it's a beautiful place. It's a fertile place. 
and it's a place where there was a battle. Now, after that, we then move on down into the Galilee where you see uh, uh, Mount Arbel and the horns of Hittin. Nehemiah and I did a, an entire book about the prayer that Yeshua taught at the horns of Hittin. In fact, on Mount Arbel, I don't know if you knew this or not, there's, well, you haven't been there, have you? No, I've never been oh, to Israel. this is perfect. Have you ever been to Israel? No. Okay, so you get to be representative of all the people that are watching. Okay. You ask the questions, you have the concerns, you have the comments, this is great. You've never been to Israel, but you're like a walking encyclopedia, man. Like you, <laughs> is it because you've talked to all these people, or what's the deal? I, I've learned from Michael. That's what I did. Okay. You know, because he he was the original guy. That I mean, that's the whole reason you were inspired to do this, right? Because he did that with his original yeah. series. He, he took people to Israel, yeah. even if they'd never been there before, and gave them the true story of yeah. what happened in the Red Sea. He goes swimming in the Red Sea, for, or, or you know, for goodness I mean, sake. Goodness gracious, yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, so so you haven't been there. No. But let me ask you a question. So we so we go to the Galilee. And we get on the we get on the boat and we go out on the sea. What is your favorite story about the Sea of Galilee? Uh, it has to be when Yeshua walked on the water. You got that in the Bible somewhere? Yes. yes. Read it. For in, us. Uh, it's in Matthew, mm-hmm. Matthew fourteen, starting at verse twenty-two. You want me to read the whole? Sure, read so read four, the part that excites you. Sure. Fourteen twenty-two to thirty-three. So. I'll start with uh, in 25, in the fourth watch of the night. Now, I had to look at what is the fourth watch? So this is like three to 6 a.m. <laughs> okay. this, you know, this, this is like, <laughs> the disciples are night owls here. Right, you know? right. so, anyway, uh, he went toward them, Yeshua, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But at once, Yeshua called out to them saying, courage, it is I, do not be afraid. It was Peter who answered. Lord, he said, if it is you, tell me to come across the water. Come, Yeshua said. Then Peter got out of the boat and started walking toward Yeshua on the water. But as soon as he felt the force of the wind, he took fright and began to sink. Lord, save me, he cried. (laughs) Yeshua put out his hand at once and held him. Man of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? (laughs) And then, of course, the story goes on. Now, 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 Scott, I mean, we go out on the Sea of Galilee. And there's some times where it's windy. I'll tell you my favorite story from the Sea of Galilee is when there's a storm. Mm. And Yeshua says three words, peace, be still. Ah. And there's these times where we've been on the Sea of Galilee where it's raining and the wind will come and it's like, boom. Mm. And then there's times where it's just completely calm. Mm. And I, sometimes I want to be like Peter. I'll be honest with you. I get so excited out there. I want to jump out of the water. <laughs> yep, I can't do that. <laughs> but the other thing we do is we sing, we dance, we worship. We pray, uh, we, we love on each other, it, it, and, and to be at that place and to know that that's the spot, that's the place. There's no other Sea of Galilee. There's not like, right. there's two different seas of Galilee that he could have, no, there's one. And we're actually there. I mean, that's, that's amazing. So what I did was, um, we called it an inaugural tour. And the reason that I called it inaugural um, is because I needed to get a group of people that would be um, courageous, uh, that would be brave, that would be willing, able, um, ready to go wherever I felt like we needed to go. And I mean, we set an itinerary and, and did all that sort of thing. But um, I have to tell you, um, other than the places like, uh, you know, ancient Joppa and the Sea of Galilee and, and, and Mount Carmel and Arbel and the Horns of Hattin, um, there are um, some things that we have to do on Israel to actually complete a tour like this. But one of the things that I've done for the last 20 years is I've always wanted to engage with, in fact, let's do something. I have a clip. Uh, Can you guys put up clip number one for us? And let's take a look at this clip. Whenever I've been in Israel, I've always wanted to engage with the military. I love these guys. They are all, they have to, they actually have to serve in Israel, except for if you're one specific group, which is another point. But I love to be able to give them a handshake, give them a hug, tell them it is what it is that we're going to be doing, you know, and, and they're always so willing. Now, I mean, you know, some people get a little nervous when you got those guns and you got yeah. But, you know, what they're there to do is they're there to make sure that where I'm going, that I can be safe. And I love to bring my Bible. I'm talking to the military about my Bible. I'm asking them about the places that I want to go. They're consulting with me about, yeah, here's where you need to be able to go. This is why we we need to be careful. Mm. And that, it's just kind of a, I don't know how to say it, um, Scott. It's a, it's a humbling experience. Um, it's an exhilarating experience. Uh, and, and then to have men women, young, 
and old being protected by these young men and women in the IDF to make sure that this group of mine that I'm bringing can experience this without being concerned about. And, and truthfully, one of the reasons we're concerned is because where we're about to go is beyond the borders. And you talked about it in your open. There are political borders that have been set, but I don't find those political borders in the Bible. Right, there is no West Bank in, yeah, exactly. in Isaiah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And so um, what, we, what, what, I, what I like to say, and I learned this from Aaron, thank you, Aaron Lipkin, who's probably watching this. You know, when we went uh, with Aaron, he, he said, you know, Keith, a lot of people call it the West Bank, but we call it what it would have been originally uh, considered, Judea and Samaria. Mm, yep. And if you think about it, like think about, about this for a second. So Judea and Samaria, really, really, really important places where there are so many biblical sites in Judea and Samaria, and yet most tour companies, most people who are on tour don't go to those places. Why? Because you have to cross a border. Mm. And so we, uh, we did something that's kind of exciting. Um, in fact, I wanna, if I can, well, let me do this. I, I brought a map. Okay. The first place that we go, and I'm gonna take you, have you take a look at that, if you can take a look at that. Um, what we have is the first map where we have Mount Eval, and we also have a, a place that's called uh, Hebron. <laughs> mm. And with Mount Eval and Hebron, uh, what I decided to do was I asked a, a, some young uh, folks to, to, to come along with me on this tour. And I did something, <laughs> Scott, that I just, I've never done before. I gave up production, I gave up oversight, and I said to these young people who had never been to Israel, it is your job to capture one thing on this tour, just one, I said, and it's going to be our time with uh, Aaron Lipkin at, Mount, uh, at, at Joshua's altar. Well, they went above and beyond the call of duty and decided to add a second place. And I want to talk about that before we show what they did. The second place they decided to add was Hebron. Mm. Do you know about Hebron? I, I've, no, I've heard of Hebron, but yeah. It's the only uh, what they would call settlement of Jewish people where there's 800 Jews uh, living smack dab in the middle of 250,000 Arabs. Mm. Most settlements are not within the actual city. They're in hills and areas and places like that. But, but this particular place is just, it is filled with tension. There's, a, there's lots and lots that are going on. Most tour companies do not go to Hebron, but I have to go to that place. Why do I want to go to that place? What do we know about Hebron? We know that Hebron is a place where Abraham actually bought a piece of land. Do you know that story? Mm -hmm. He bought a piece of, what do you know about that story, just generally? Uh, the the details are escaping me at this very moment. But he, but yeah, he, he bought, bought a piece of land, right. why? Because his wife, you know, he bought, a, he bought a, a cave and in that cave he buried his wife, Sarah. So all of the patriarchs, the matriarchs are all buried at Hebron. That, that, that's a fact. But in 1929, something happened that is really, really, um, I would say, history uh, shattering. There was what was called the, the Hebron Massacre. And in 1929, as a result of the agenda to cause even more tension between the Arabs who lived in the land and the Jews that lived in the land, there was an uprising. And that uprising was as a result of the Temple Mount, believe it or not. Now, in this mm. series, by the way, I don't know if I told you this, at the end of the series, if this isn't too controversial, at the end of the series, we're actually gonna bring people on the Temple Mount with our group. And our group was led by our dear friend who's been here at, at uh, A Root Awakening, uh, Yehuda Glick. And what he did is he actually came and led our group on a tour and we were able to capture it. Mm, so we're gonna wow. bring people. But okay. as a result of that place, uh, controversy has, had been started and there was a lot of controversy around Hebron. Uh, around that place, and what they did is they actually had an uprising. This is really, really sad. And one of the places that the uprising really took place where blood was in the streets was the community of Jews who lived in Hebron was attacked by their neighbors. And Now hold that thought. What, oh, can we, come, can we come back and, and finish that thought and then get into uh, uh, the video? Okay, absolutely. Okay, okay. all right, that. so hang on. So they were attacked, and let's just hold on to that. Okay, so 
We'll come back and ask you to finish that story in just a second. So you come back with us too. Thank you for bringing Keith here. It's your donations that make it happen. And we thank you for bringing this to future people. How can you do that? By your donations that continue. So we'll give you a couple minutes to do that. We'll be right back. Your support makes this happen. Thank you. So Keith, before the break, we were talking about this attack at Hebron. 1929, terrible, terrible massacre. Many, many, many people were killed. Men, women, and children, synagogues destroyed, and the Jewish community was literally um, forced out of this place. You know, where Abraham had this piece of land, where Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, all, it's just, it, it was a terrible, terrible situation. 1968, after the 67 war, there was a reestablishment of a Jewish settlement. Uh, and then in 1994, there was an, another attack, but this time it was from a man who lived in the Jewish community. And in fact, you know, the thing I got to tell you is that, uh, and by the way, the particular place there is also an enclave for Hamas. So um, you've got people, it, I mean, it, it really, really is tense. And, and we always have to check before we go. I go every time that we can, but there's something about this place that caught the attention of these young people that I brought in to help us produce this. And they just handed me their 13 minute piece. And so what I wanted to do was I wanted to come in here with you and uh, in the spirit of my friend, Michael, and to show uh, this piece. You guys are the first ones really that are seeing it other than me. I mean, they, look, they even made a rule. <laughs> Keith, you get to look at it twice to make changes other than nothing. <laughs> so they, they went from Joshua's altar, which was the original goal, and they added a little bit of Hebron. If you know anything about uh, Hebron, there are, I tell you what, I don't need to talk about this. They did a great job. Let's take a watch okay. of what they did, okay? Let's do it. You guys are doing something that 99.9999999% of Christians that come to Israel to visit don't come to. In order to conduct a tour like this, we had to communicate with a number of people and coordinate with various places. As a result of the ongoing attempted peace process between Israel and the Palestinian Authority, Three administrative areas have been created inside Biblical Judea and Samaria, which is also called the West Bank. Area A is exclusively under the control of the Palestinian Authority. In Area B, the Palestinian Authority is over civilian control with Israeli military over security. In Area C, the Israeli government is over civilian control and security. We made sure to take our group into all three areas on our Bible Beyond Borders tour. So the tension is that you have two groups of people, both with a stake in the land. And you've got Israel, who is a legitimate since 1948. We are a country, we've, we've acknowledged that. We took what was given through the United Nations. Uh, the Arab population decided not to take their, their portion of it. So you have this clash that's going on all the time. Yet for us, we wanna go to the places where the Bible took place. And sometimes that means we've gotta cross a border and when we cross a border, sometimes we even need a military escort. Terrorism is a way to try to get people to be afraid, then they win. And I think for us, what we, what we say is we don't want to be afraid, but we want to be a people of faith to get to the places where this most important book was actually written. Well, if there's anything such as going to a place that is the Bible beyond borders, it is here at Hebron. In Hebron, you have this amazing building that was built 2,000 years ago by Herod the Great, they call him. He was a great architect. And as you can tell, this is a massive building. Inside this building, on one side, you have a Jewish synagogue. On the other side, you have a Muslim mosque. I've been for the last few months trying to learn a little bit of Arabic just to make a connection with my brothers over there. And sure enough, I was able to do that. And as a result, I felt like we had an open door. So this is Bible Beyond the Borders. We are in Hebron, a place that many tour groups won't come, but we feel like the Bible goes beyond the borders and certainly Hebron is a place where that works and it worked here. In 1994, mm -hmm. in 1994, it was a big massacre inside this building. There is American Jewish, his name Baruch Goldstein. He come 
in 15 of Ramadan, where people was pray to Mecca, like that direction. Mm-hmm. He was carrying M16 gun, and he entered inside this building, and he killed the 29 Palestinians and 150 injured. Yes. After that, the mosque is divided for two parts. Jewish, they take 60% of the mosque, and Muslim, we take 40% of the mosque. Ten days out of the year, yeah. the Jewish can come to this side. They take both sides of the mosque. We can go to the other side from the mosque as well. Okay. okay. Yeah. Only ten days? Ten days in the years. When I travel to Hebron, I always attempt to visit both sides of the tomb of the patriarchs. It is surreal to look at the same tombs from both the synagogue and mosque sides of the building. I often wonder what Abraham would say about the deep divide that exists within the lineage of his sons Ishmael and Isaac. I realize that the depth of the discord between the seed of these blood brothers is deeper than the cave beneath this 2,000-year-old building that houses the bones of their father Abraham. However, it is still my hope and prayer to be a light within this darkness of division. Every day in the morning, they put olives oil with a small candle and they put it inside the cave because nobody allowed to go inside this cave. This cave, it's closed since 1987. <laughs> you want me? Yes. I can do it? <laughs> this is the actual. This, oh my goodness. Whoa, 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 whoa. Abraham, Sarah, Rebecca, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all the our prophets they are inside. People know what allowed to go inside. My heart is beating. My friend, Aaron! <laughs> Good to have you, my friend. We've got a whole group of people. We're going from our bus to? Joshua's altar. And what is it about this bus? What's different? This is an armored bus. Huh? The Israeli army is actually Wait, you got the, no, no, you got the army for us? Yes. The <laughs> army's going to be with us. We're going to have so, handsome Israeli soldiers with rifles, and they're going to escort us on the way to one of the most exciting biblical places in the land of Israel. Joshua's altar. Well, let's go. So we had an opportunity to do something that was going to be, I called it the creme de la creme. It was the crown moment for us with the Bible Beyond Borders tour, which would take other people to be involved, the military to agree to escort us, our bus driver being willing, and basically the tour participants saying, yeah, we're willing to go into this area to see this one thing. Joshua's altar, which is about a 3,400 year old structure that's based on a command that God gave Moses, that Moses gave Joshua, that when you cross the land, go to this specific place and build an altar. 1960s, they find it. This goes on for 30 years. They're they're, they're searching, searching, searching. Uh, They finally find it. And then something happens. There was uh, some violence that took place at Joshua's altar. Because once they found out about it, people would go there. And actually, there was a murder so it's a lot of tension that was taking place around Joshua's altar. Now in 2019, they found something at Joshua's altar that changes the game for biblical scholarship. They found an ancient tablet <laughs> with ancient Hebrew with biblical curses on that tablet. If it is what we believe it is, it will cause scholarship around the world to shift regarding what we would say is the, the biblical narrative that the language was actually ancient, that the altar was there. And by the way, the altar's at a place where God said, literally, here's where you say the curses, and across the way at Gerizim, here's where you say the blessings. And we stood 
on the mountain of curse where they found a cursed tablet. We walk from here? Okay. Does anyone have any idea how old this is? We're talking about 3,400 years old. They found it at the very spot where the Bible says it would be. The book of Deuteronomy, uh, the last one of the five books of Moses, uh, is basically Moses talking to the people of Israel before dying, uh, and, and it's his last will. It's, it's, it's his uh, advice to the Israelites. And the main theme that repeats itself constantly in the book of Deuteronomy is, if you follow God, you will be blessed, and if you don't follow God, you will be cursed. The first place that, uh, that we hear about this, connecting this major theme to a geographical formation, like a mountain or two mountains, is the book of Deuteronomy chapter 11. See, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from, way, from the way that I command you today by following other gods which you have not known. When the Lord your God has brought you into the land you are entering to possess, you are to proclaim on Mount Gerizim the blessings and on Mount Ival the curses. First of all, it's important to understand that, that my heart and soul is in this place that we are right now at Joshua's altar. Um, as someone who's a Bible believer, to, to be able to stand here and touch Moses and Joshua for me is, is, is so excited, mm -hmm. so exciting. Um, and in the last few years, I saw how the site deteriorated and how it's not being taken care of. Right. And uh, sometimes even being vandalized. And we had to do something. And so I, I joined together with a, 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 an archaeologist from Houston by the name of Scott Stripling. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Wait just a second. Yes. There's a man named Scott Stripling, yes. Dr. Scott Stripling, yes. who has already presented to the world yes. that they found probably the most significant thing, you guys. It's a little tablet, a little curse tablet. You admit, you called him? Yes. So you were a part of that? Yes. Okay, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> and what he suggested was that because we can't excavate at the moment, that we would extract the archaeological dump that was created in the 1980s during right. the excavations of right. Professor Adams Rital right. and reanalyze them. Maybe Adams Rital missed something. And uh, this time we're going to, to use different techniques that would be able to, to analyze the material better. And uh, Scott came with his crew. They started working and wet sifting the materials. And after a few days, Scott calls me and he says, Aaron, we found something. Come over here. Okay. I come. And he opens his hand and he shows me a small lead tablet, about, about two inches by two inches. The little lead tablet the that the world's lead. talking about right now. Exactly. And, and we were so excited, but we didn't know what we had. Uh, but the great, the great thing is that this site was only used once in history by the Israelites, and that's it. And so there, was, there were good chances that this tablet is actually, actually belongs to the Israelite uh, time, the Israelite nation, the Israelite civilization. And so uh, we were very excited. We couldn't believe that, that, that this might be maybe one of the biggest archaeological finds that was ever found in the land of Israel. But you know, what's interesting is that the possibility that there are more tablets. Oh, absolutely. That there are more findings here that we could find what? if we continue researching this site. So we just need more people to come. We need more people to come and we need Israel to take responsibility, full responsibility mm. over this site mm -hmm. and make it a national heritage site. This altar here is one of the oldest structures in the land of Israel that belongs to the biblical heritage of not just Jews, but also Christians. I'm inviting you to come to the biblical heartland of Israel. Amen. Come to Shiloh, come, come to Hebron, come to Bethel, <laughs> come to Mount Ebal, yeah. come to Mount Gerizim, yes. the places where the Bible really happened. <laughs> I love it what he says there. 
come to the places where the Bible actually happened. Yeah. When you were describing things earlier, I was thinking, does it ever go through your mind like, I can't even I can't even grasp this, that yeah. this is where this yeah. happened, like on the Sea of Galilee or wherever. It just sometimes you just kind of like, no, it can't be. Well, I have to tell you, these these young this little young group of uh, producers slash camera slash uh, folks. In fact, I tell you what, we got to get the young folks to go over there, yeah, to Israel. Because I mean, think about that. What they were able to do is to capture. I, I didn't have to think about it. I, th this wasn't like produced. Meaning, this is just us doing what we do. And and what I love about this, and I, it gets my heart beating, is they did they captured they captured the vision of Joshua's altar, but they also uh, did the same thing in Hebron. And mm. so in Hebron. You know, we go back in early Genesis and we find out about Hebron over and over and we find Hebron for David as the place where he ruled before he went to Jerusalem. You know, Hebron for Joshua, where he gave the land Hebron to Caleb. So there's a lot that I want to talk about regarding that. But, but you know, um, for me, uh, uh, this was a fulfillment. You know, 20 years going back and forth, back and forth to Israel, what would it be like to have a group of people that yeah. we could actually take to? And again, um, I have to thank Aaron. I have to thank Noam, our tour operator, the military, Israel's military. I mean, they did everything they could to make sure we had we had little kids. You know, we had kids, we had old older folks, and they all enjoyed it. And and they said the same thing. It's mm -hmm. like we opened the Bible at the very spot where this took place. I mean, isn't that not like yeah? Isn't that like amazing? I mean, here, I mean, America, it's, yeah, okay, maybe it's a couple hundred years old, but when you're standing there at a structure that's 3,400 years yeah, old, that's yeah, something else. Yeah, well, here's what we're gonna do. So they, they went above and beyond the call of duty and they created some other footage for us for uh, what I call eight other places that um, I would like to take people to. Places like uh, Mount Gerizim, the Mount of Blessing, mm -hmm. Shechem, which happens to be a significant place in the Bible called Shechem in English. Uh, ancient Dan, Bethel, uh, um, Jericho, Bethlehem, Shiloh and the Temple Mount. So with you, what I'd like to do is take these next few weeks and just go two of those for each one. We take people there, show them what we could show and talk about it. The Bible, the border, and we bring them. And who knows, we might even see some prophetic things that I think that are happening right now that could be a blessing uh, to them. So that's what I'd like to do. Hopefully this was you know, catches their attention. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, let's do it. I mean, like like Aaron said, the more people come, the more they can yeah. turn these places into heritage sites so that, you know, yeah. more discovery exactly. can happen, like exactly. this sort of accidental discovery yes. of the lead tablet with the wet sifting. Yeah. You know, how many other places can that happen oh at these places that are currently, yeah. you know, off limits? Yeah, the next episode, we're actually taking us to Mount Gerizim. Oh, he does, he does such a phenomenal job. So I'm looking forward to it. Beautiful. Well, Keith, thank you for joining. Uh, yeah, so we're thinking what? Maybe three, four, maybe even well, five episodes? This, month, or, you know, this happens to be a month where there's there's the feasts that are going on. We actually, uh, there's so much going on with Israel. I mean, I, I think we could fill, uh, you know, pretty much five episodes. Okay. <laughs> All right, great. Well, thank you for being here. I, I love this. This is yeah. great. Thank you for bringing the crew, too. I mean, yeah. that, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think Michael's going to be thrilled with this. Yes. Too. So awesome. anyway, thank you. And thank you for joining us. I hope we, you can join us for the whole episode for the whole series, rather. So join us for sure for next episode. Uh, and we're gonna be seeing, some, be seeing some wonderful things. So I join myself, join Keith, and we will see you next week on Shabbat Night Live. And until then, Shuvah Tov. Have a good week. Mm -hmm.